Welcome to A Journey of Transformation Empowerment. You're listening to Antonio T. Smith Jr. Where ideas ignite, change, and possibilities are endless. Before we dive into today's episode, we have something special for our listeners. Today's podcast is brought to you by a groundbreaking book that's reshaping the conversation around Black economic empowerment. It's Resegregation, Volume 1, The Power Matrix, a master plan for Black group economics with wealth creation, authored by visionary Antonio T. Smith, Jr., Antonio isn't just an author. He's a former top-secret combat special operations intelligence sergeant turned millionaire. His life work championed the economic autonomy and wealth creation within black communities. In this seminal work, dedicated to teachings of Dr. Claude Anderson, Antonio outlines a comprehensive blueprint covering critical sectors like finance, technology, manufacturing, and more. He blends military discipline with acute understanding of systematic disparity. This isn't just a book. It's a movement. A call to action to create lasting wealth and reshaping the economic narrative. Antonio's vision is clear. Drive a significant shift toward black ownership and control. Listeners, if you've ever wondered about innovative strategies for wealth creation or how technological transformation can uplift the black communities, then this book is for you. Join Antonio Smith Jr. on the transformative journey. Pick up your copy of The Resegregation Volume 1, The Power Matrix today and be a part of the reshaping future. Now, let's dive into the episode and explore the possibilities that await us. Antonio breaks down the law of attraction so well that it doesn't matter whether you're a child or an adult. Whether you're 8 years old or 80 years old, Antonio teaches the law of attraction in a way to where anyone can grasp the concept, can gain understanding, and can begin to use the law of attraction to get what it is that they desire most in life. I guarantee you that you want to take a listen to Antonio's podcast, Secret to Success, Law of Attraction. Writing things down is super important. It works in many different ways. For one, you are God. You are a creator. You are. You have God power, God source. So when you write something down, it didn't exist. You are tapping into your creative source by using your creative power. You are creating something out of nothing because you are writing. So every time that you write, you become God. That that is accurate. You are that creative source. You are that great thing. And nothing can stop 
the creative source. So when you write down your goals as God, and then you declare as God that this is what you deserve because you are God, nothing can stop God from getting what God wants unless God stops it God's self. Therefore, when you write it down and you don't get it, it's because you unwrote it down with your words, with your thoughts, with your mind, with something, however you did it. This is why people tell you to write your goals down. And it's crazy because you have your computer, you're typing, it doesn't have the same effect. There's something about controlling language that is godlike. Language doesn't exist until we create it. And then when we create it, that is when we become that creative source. So if you're going to write down your goals, period, you do that. You are invoking dark matter. You're invoking the creative source, the ether, the infinite intelligence. And when you ask infinite intelligence, when you go beyond what you are from a finite perspective, you go beyond that and invoke this infinite intelligence, this creative source, and you declare this is what you're going to perceive and receive in this day and time. You have no choice but to get it because God cannot create something that God does not deserve. Yeah. If you need to be rescued, you are not being God. I have to come back to this. God does not need to be rescued. And that's, that's one of the problems with religion today. Everyone's out here trying to rescue God instead of spreading God's narrative. And then, of course, when you spread God's narrative, people don't understand God's narrative. So they're saying and preaching and teaching. And this is across all religions, a narrative that is not even that of the creative source. If you need to be rescued, you are somewhere you do not belong, period. You're somewhere you don't belong. You're with someone you don't belong. You're in a condition in which you do not belong. You're in a poverty-stricken state in which you do not belong. You have a dollar amount which does not belong to you. And if you need to be rescued, what is rescued? To take out of something or since this is a great time to plug the title, to be extracted, to move out of something with effort or force. You need to be rescued. You need to have something that is of higher power. And I'm not even talking God here. I'm just saying to rescue something is something must not be bound to the situation and it pulls you out of it with effort. You can't do that with your consciousness. Yeah. You cannot pull yourself out of your consciousness with your consciousness because your consciousness is enslaved to your rescuing situation. In order for you to be rescued, you must have something that is not bound by the parameters and the rules of your current situation. And that thing that transcends your situation, it, it, it moves you out of it with effort. But here's the crazy thing. The crazy thing is when you need to be rescued, you don't even know it. Because your consciousness is in the rescuing situations. You don't know it. Not only do you not have the power, but you're so dead or asleep or unknowing to your rescue situation, something has to happen 
that makes you realize where you are is not what you deserve. Although you cannot rescue yourself, you must first come to the awareness that you need to be rescued. Now, this is where you would get it. This is where it gets a little spooky because you can't. You, in one respect, you can't save you. But in another respect, only you can save you. And then this is where it gets a little spooky. You can't save you because your level of consciousness cannot defeat your current level of consciousness. It's just like math. One and negative one, they cancel out. So you, you cancel out your effort by simply being in the situation that cancels out your effort. So you can't do it. But when you raise your level of consciousness, now how do you do this? You have to, you have to have a mentor. That's how you would do it these days. You have to have someone, something, some book, something, a TV show, radio show, a heartbreak. Believe it or not, a heartbreak will raise your consciousness. Oh, yes. it, it would absolutely raise your consciousness. Your heart breaking down will will break up the maze of mediocrity, as Shannon would say. Mm -hmm. It would break that up in your mind. So in one respect, you can't save yourself. It's impossible. But you're the only one that can save you by having the awareness enough to know that you need to be saved. The moment you have that, then you start looking higher. And it's not the destination. Everyone, Everybody wants to get higher. It's a bunch of crap. Everybody wants, you want the, you want to get there. Just give me the shortcut. The destination is a bunch of garbage. Mm -hmm. The journey is everything. Yeah. Everything that you will ever do in this life is all about the journey. Period. Point blank. You need the journey. So you're the only one that can rescue you because you're the only one that can travel in your journey. Nobody else. Nobody. Nobody else can take your journey but you. It's not fair that we force other people to take our journey. Mm -hmm. the, the, the only time, the only thing that we can do when we force other people to take our journeys, there's, there's a book that described that. The book said it was a guy on a journey, freaking cross on his back. And it wasn't his. Mm. Yeah, that's that's what not taking your own journey looks like. You hand people your crucifixion. And that's not fair. It's it's not fair. And if you want to bear other people's burdens, if you want to give other people your cross, or whatever, and this isn't even like religious, you will force people to die because mm. you didn't have the courage to take your own journey. Mm. people who are currently around you. You cannot grow with the people who are currently around you. I don't care. Listen, I get it. That's me. But you can't grow. It doesn't matter if it's me or not. There's nobody around you. Right. If you need to be rescued, nobody around you can help you and nobody around you you can grow with. If you need to be rescued, there's nobody around you that can help you and nobody around you that you can grow with. They have to change too if they're going to grow with you. Therefore, they're not the same. If you're going to grow they must grow with you. That means both of y'all change. Mm -hmm. Neither one of you are the same. Yeah. That's the only way. The only way for you to grow with someone who 
No, there's no other way but for them to change. They must change. You must change. If that doesn't happen, you got to go on your own. Because you will not get what you deserve holding on to a relationship that you don't deserve. The only way to grow with others is they have to become you or become on your journey. And both of you die. You just die to who you were. But two of the same people live doing the same things, stuck in the same poverty, will never change until one of them violates the friendship agreement. What is the friendship agreement? I am your friend because you accept me this way. You have to violate that agreement and say, this way that you have for me is no longer serving me. And then you change and they change. And if they don't change with you, you politely let them go. Is being rescued and saved the same thing? How are we using saved? Well, you said, well, okay, at first you said you can't rescue yourself, you know? Fair enough, you can't rescue yourself. And then you said you can't save yourself, so. So when I use saved, okay. I was interchangeably using it with a non-religious tone. Right. Saved and rescued. As far as saved goes with a religious tone, that, that's, that's, that's something, that's something that I was so not, <laughs> no, not, it not great. But I'll go ahead and address it since that's, that's going to be obvious kickback for what I'm saying. Rescue is just you taking yourself out of your situation. I would respond to someone saying something to me or, or kick, kicking back about what I'm saying here about the whole save thing is what are you being saved from? What does what does what do your teachers say you're being saved from, and what does your sacred text say you're being saved from? They probably don't match, because over time we we lose truth for doctrine, and the doctrine isn't always the truth, because the because the local body has its own doctrine that trumps the doctrine. The local body has its own doctrine that trumps the doctrine. Makes sense. You're somewhere you don't belong. You will always need to be rescued. You cannot be made in the creative source. You can't be source unlimited and be somewhere limiting your source. If you find yourself in any place in life limiting your ability, you will always need to be rescued. You will always need to be extracted. If you find yourself somewhere in a limiting position, job, relationship, boyfriend, girlfriend, health, overweight, if you're limiting the unlimited you, you will always need to be extracted. That will never change. Your imagination comes from the creative source. Let's, let's think about this for a second. We have to, in fact, you, this isn't even complex. This is just one of those truths that you missed. It's not complex. It's always been here. You always knew it. We just taught you oppositely of what was. 
imagination image you are made in his image every great teacher would tell you that that's it and i'm not it's not about one religion every 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 great teacher tells you that you are made after something that is creative source so when you are using your imagination you are rescuing you are extracting yourself from your situation by using your imagination because your image your mind your ability to imagine a greater circumstance will take you out of your current circumstance it's, it's real it's real simple the body must follow the mind and when you take your mind out of poverty your body must follow when you take your mind out of a bad relationship the body must follow when you put your mind into your dreams the body must follow that's not going to change so to imagine something is to be like the great creator because you are there's only one of us in the room you probably hear me say that over and over at some point I'll explain but there's only one of us in the room psychologists or at least the current level of understanding of what we have about writing and typing psychologists most of them would favor writing down this there's, there's something I can't explain it. I don't think they can properly explain it. There's something about putting your your hand between the pencil or pen and the paper and something about moving those circles. You're making circles. Those are circles. They're just forming letters. There's something about that that sticks what you're writing into your brain. I don't want to tell you typing will not get you what you desire because technology is has meant to be here to make man's job easy. Technology is a great thing for mankind and as long as you keep fighting against it, you're following their rules. As long as you keep fighting against technology, you're going to be following the rules that keep you in poverty. Technology doesn't have to put us out of jobs. If we shift the system a little bit, in this case a lot of it technology makes our job easier so we don't have to do what they call jobs and we can do what our creative sources allow us to do we can paint more mona lisas if we didn't have to work at the beer factory we can create more iPhones if we did not have to work at the car shop the more technology frees us from tilling the field is the more we can create masterpieces that intrigue the mind knowing what you want is very important and everybody should know what they want you you shouldn't be here and not know what you want but it's okay i get it i get it it's okay that everybody does know what they want knowing what you do not want is a great beginning to know what you do not want also lets me know what I cannot put on you. When you don't want something, I can't force you to eat that. When you know what you don't like, I can't convince you that you do like it. When you know what you do not want, you're at the greatest beginning to find out what you do want. As a matter of fact, you're ahead of most people because most people 
not only do they not know what they don't want, they don't even know what they do want. Most people are just drifting through life without a care, and the cares they do have are negative, and it affects them greatly. So I would encourage anyone, just because you don't know what you want does not mean that you're far off from your goals. If you know what you do not want, build from there and ask yourself, what is your next best move to find out what you do like? And try something. And if you try it and it doesn't work, let it go. Don't drive three miles down the wrong road in the wrong direction and try to find another way out because you've been convinced there's more than one way to skin a cat. If you're in the wrong direction, immediately turn around. Immediately. No reason. Some of you right now, you're going 60 years in the wrong direction. And you turn 65 and you finally retire and you say, now I'm going to start living my life. That's unworthy of you. You are kings and queens. And you should be living your life now. Self-talk something very valuable and dangerous. Think about it. Language was created by the creative source. There was nothing. And then man created language. This language allowed us to communicate. As a matter of fact, there were humans, there were apes, there were creatures that did not have whites of their eyes. So you could not see the direction in which they were looking. That's what the whites of your eyes do. The whites of your eyes are language. They teach people what you're saying. So when I look this way, I am languaging to you. I am communicating to you. You have my attention. When I look this way, I'm communicating to you. You have my attention. Those species that did not develop the whites of their eyes, they died off. It is fundamentally appropriate and important for the survival of any species to develop language, even the language of developing the whites of the eyes. Because when you do, you communicate. But it's not just about communication. What is this communication? That means that I have transcended from a single cell organism to some multi-cell organism, but something there's something fundamentally different about me. There's something so different about me that if I take apart this microphone and I take it and I break it down to the smallest of the pieces, put it all back together, this microphone will continue to be a microphone. But if I take apart you, piece by piece, you will no longer be you. Even if I put you back together again, you will not be like Humpty Dumpty. You, you will not have life. And so when you're in this language, when you are dealing with language, you're dealing with that. You're being more of this creative source. And language extracts you out of being a single cell organism. Language extracted you out of being something regular to something irregular, from something that cannot communicate with God to something that does, and to something that is, and to something that always will be. That's how important language is. 
That's how important it is for you to understand and develop a strong language because your language comes from dark matter. The, 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 the very thing expanding the universe. And you are simply a physical manifestation of the expansion of this universe. There's only one of us in the room. I say it again. There's only one of us in the room. There is. There is, there is this source. God, okay, I don't care what you call it. There is this, there's this source that there was nothing. I looked around, saw nothing. There was nothing. He said, well, you know, I wanna, I wanna experience myself. So he went out and said, ah, there's nothing to experience myself. How can I experience myself? Well, if there's nothing, ex nihilo, Latin, just nothing. Said, well, maybe, maybe, just maybe. I go into me. And this creative source, this God went in itself and exploded. And now God is able to experience itself because it went into itself and you are that itself. So there's one of us in the room. Your mother told me to call you your name, but there's one of us in the room. We're all connected. And if you have any level of empathy, you know I'm telling the truth. You hurt, I hurt. I hurt you, I hurt us all. We're all connected. That would never change because it's one of us in the room. That means when I give to you, since there's one of us in the room, I gave to me. This is why in order to receive, you must first give. There's only one of us in the room. I personally don't set goals. When I do set goals, which I guess I'm contradicting myself, they're not really goals. There are steps for me to get to my dividing moment. Goals are something that you set. But the problem with men, men always underestimate what men can do. So we don't set lofty goals. We set goals we can hit so we can feel better about ourselves. So I don't set goals. I set defining moments, moments that if I were to achieve them, it would define my entire existence. Not just how I feel about myself, but achieving this thing defines my entire existence. I was here for this purpose. It, as a matter of fact, I was here for another purpose, but when I did this, I gained a new purpose because I reached this defining moment. So I said defining moments. An example of defining moment. You're six years old. You want to be a medical doctor, brain surgeon. That's a defining moment. Should you, at six years old, reach the age of a brain surgeon? When you get there, you would have defined your entire life. Therefore, the defining moment will guide all of your goals. Sequentially. All of your goals will be defined by your defining moment. That means all of your friends will be defined by your defining moment. You will not smoke weed. You will not get arrested. You will not rob banks. You 
you will not. Although, you guys are smoking. It's okay. Not giving you finish. You just play. But yeah, they're, <laughs> they're like, well, you know, I've already been doing this. Okay, no. That's yeah. right. <clears throat> the point is, you have your defining moments, and your defining moments will always, and I mean always, set your goals before you. This is why I said defining moments. Because there's something I want so bad that if I can't define my life with it, it's not worth it for me. When it comes to defining moments, if you don't get to these defining moments, there are people who believe that we've been here before. Or there are people who believe in multiverse theory or multi-universes. So we're just living out a possibility, a certain possibility or a universe of possibilities an infinite universe of possibilities in a certain possibility that can only happen in that possibility. Meaning if you did not, there's some people that would believe that if you did not reach your defining moment, although you did everything right, it's because you're not in that universe in which you would. But in another, you did. Therefore, you've been here before. There are others that hold on to the idea that many of these people and when you see a baby die before what we will call his or her time, that this child lived such a life before that it actually achieved its full destiny and purpose as a baby. Now, these are some competing ideas. I read a lot, so I gave them to you. For clarity, not for clarity, for comfort, since I just scared the hell out of you with those two answers. For comfort, I will tell you this. If you have not reached your defining moment, you have not fully accepted how unlimited that you are. Because nothing will stop you if you truly tap into your unstoppable power. To believe that you cannot reach your defining moment is for you to also believe that there's not enough defining moments out there for you to reach. And that is a system of lack. And lack does not exist except for when man creates. But it's not, it's not even a matter of fact. It's, it's not a matter of you questioning abundance. It's you believing in the lack that man has created for you. Lack does not exist. There is no lack. Lack is a lie. You've been lied to. Lack does not exist. There is no lack. That is a lie. Yes, I know. It's in your reality. I get it. But that didn't come from the universe. That didn't come from God. Yeah, no, 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 no. That came from the people in power. That came from your mother, your father. That came from your friends. That came from your own idea, your own ideas, your own system of constructs. That that came from you. But there's not one rain cloud. It's not one bacteria. You, didn't, you don't have one nostril. You don't have one toe. There's not one snowflake. There's not one drop of water in one ocean. There's not one glacier. There's not one feather. There's not one species of bird. There's not one worm. There's not one chicken. Not one turkey. Not one cow. There's not one blade of grass. Okay, not one. It's not a hundred blades of grass. It's not a million. 
It's not even a trillion blades of grass. Whatever the universe does, it does in great abundance. If you are experiencing lack, it is only because you have perceived it in your own mind or you're following someone's rules and they created lack for you. And the illusion of choice and the illusion of lack and you have followed it hook, line, and sinker. There is no lack. It's not that you doubt abundance, it's you believe in lack. Mm. And as long as you believe in lack, you can never achieve abundance. Arrogance is a condition in which you no longer receive new information. Pause, because if you're no longer receiving new information, you're saying there's not an abundance of information. That's lack, automatically. The moment you're not open to receive new life experiences, life will make sure you experience the same experience until you learn the lesson. There is no lack. Neither is there lack in arrogance. As long as you have arrogance, you have an abundance of it. Because abundance is everywhere. It's not that you do not get what you prayed for. You got exactly what you prayed for, which was lack. You had to undo your lack mindset. So when it comes to poverty, there's only a certain thing that can exist on the road of poverty. Now it manifests itself in infinite different ways because, because most people, or at least people like me, would believe that this whole world is a big wave, big, big wave of infinite possibilities. And then when you observe something, you collapse that waveform into a particle. This is the the wackiness of the quantum wackiness, the quantum weirdness, the double slit theory. This is a wave of infinite possibilities. So there's a wave of infinite possibilities on the road to poverty, but lack is most certainly one of them. And if you have lack, you'll put yourself in poverty, obviously. If you have arrogance, guess what? That lives on the road to poverty. So if you have arrogance, you automatically have everything that comes with poverty. It has to be. Because arrogance doesn't exist on the road to prosperity. It only exists on the road to poverty. So if you have something that lives on poverty road, so do you. We naturally ask friends and family for permission to be great. We've been taught that way. And it's not, it's not, this isn't a bad thing. This is a human thing. Children are incredibly obedient. Incredibly, they have to be. When you give them the bottle, they have to eat it. They have to. Because survival comes from obedience as a baby. Then it comes from obedience as a child. And then as you reared up even older, your survival is predicated on your level of obedience. And the more obedient you are, the more tribal member you can become. The better the member, the better the obedience. The better the reward, the better the obedience. So through this upbringing of this hierarchy of family, the way we've been taught, the way we've been raised, the way the family is set up, you have to be obedient. Therefore, you must ask the approval of others to be great. Because to be great is to be disobedient. You see, nobody has ever been great without first being disobedient.
Nobody has ever been great without being disobedient. You see, there's a tribe. All of us exist in a tribe. In order to be in the tribe, it means to be common. It means to be ordinary. It means to conform. To be in the tribe means this is how we do it. There's no greatness here. The tribe is great. And there's one great leader among us. And you are not that leader. Wait for your turn or die waiting. And so those who are great are disobedient tribe members. And it's funny thing about tribes. The funny thing about tribes. Tribes will force you into conformity or they'll kill you. You see this tribal thinking. Oh, the gods have punished us. It's this evolution of your mind. Why are we being punished? Why are the crops not yielding the field, yielding the seed that they yield once before? Why Why are we sick? Why does my throat itch? Why are my eyes watery? Why did she die? Someone's not acting like us. If we want her to come back alive, if we want to be healed, if we... If we want her to come back alive, if we want her to be healed, kill them. Dismiss this disobedient person out the tribe, and then the gods will be pleased with us. Sounds funny, but we do it today. We say the exact same things today. We just taking tribe out, and we say family, fraternity, church, religion, denomination. Your last name, still a tribe. And only those who are great are those who are disobedient to tribal thinking. You look up to them. But the moment you decide to be one of them, you're disobedient. And in your disobedience, there's only two things that can happen to you around the tribe. You get kicked out or you get killed. Now, if the death is not physical, it will most certainly be relational. They will kill you. They'll either kill you physically, or they'll kill your relationship. And if they can't do that, if they're, if they're too close to you to kill the relationship because it's your mother, because it's your brother, they'll kill your self-esteem. But either way, in order to be great, we will be killed by the tribe. When writing down your wealth statements, you must be excited about what you're writing about. You have to be, because a part of writing down your wealth statement is to mix your desired thought or your dominant thought with emotion. And so since you are a creator, actually, not only are you a creator, you're actually more powerful than you're one big feeling. This is the truth. Feeling is a word that we've made up to describe vibration. The truth is you are one giant feeling that we call you. So when you're writing down your statement, please understand you're only gonna get your one giant feeling. So if your feeling is contradictory to your statement, you won't get your statement, you'll get your feeling. So you need to make sure that your feeling, what is your feeling? You, you, however you're feeling, 
you are one giant feeling. So you want to make sure what you, you want to make sure your feeling matches what you're feeling according to what you're feeling about what you're writing down. This is the street element there. You are a big feeling and you're feeling a certain way about what you're getting ready to write down. And when you write that down, it makes you feel a certain way. And you need to make sure all these feelings match because you're one big, great vibration. So when you're writing your wealth statement, especially if you really think you're rich, when you're writing your wealth statement, you want to make sure that you're excited about it. If you're eh, about it, you're going to get a eh, harvest. You must. You have to because there's one of us in the room and you can only give or receive what you give. And if you give, eh, you're going to get. Eh. However you do anything is how you do everything. Important that you get that. When you understand that, you, you, you have to. How you feel about what you wrote down, how you feel about your dreams, how you feel about your desires, how you feel about your family, how you feel about your spouse, how you feel about your goals, how you feel about yourself. You will receive that back. Not what you consciously desire, but what you subconsciously feel. Because your conscious mind is just a portion of you. It's just, it's just a thing that you've learned how to control. But you don't know how to control your heartbeat. You don't know how to control your brain function. You don't know how to control your dreams. You don't know how to control the endorphins shooting through your body when you when you run. You don't know how to control your hormones. You don't know how to control your neuropeptides. You don't know how to control the neurons. You don't know how to control the vibration of your eardrums. You don't, these things you don't control because your subconscious does. The mind that you do not have control over controls that. Therefore, that mind is bigger than your mind. So you're one big feeling. And while you're being this one big feeling, if you don't match that feeling with what you desire, you're not going to get it. So how do you match that feeling with what you desire? Very simple. You need to start being excited about your life. If you're not excited about your life, you won't be excited about your well statements. You won't be excited about your friends. You won't be excited about anything. And you'll just get an average life with dull friends, dull bank accounts, dull cars, and dull experiences. Because that's the experience that you as God have decided to create for yourself. The dullness of this universe. So be excited about what you write down. Be excited about what you desire, or you will be deflated about what you receive. Yes, bragging is great. Bragging is amazing, as long as you're not pushing people down while you brag. But bragging is awesome. Of course you should brag. If you change the word, celebrate. Well, you have a problem with that at all. But we've, we've emotionalized the word bragging. People who celebrate around people who are unhappy with themselves, they call that bragging. Yeah, see, what they've done is they polarize and program your celebration. They made you feel bad for celebrating. And so they, they, they put a negative, they put a negative stamp on your celebration. You ever, have you ever been around someone that wouldn't let you be happy in your own home? Wouldn't let you be happy in your accomplishments? You, you get the greatest news of your life, ring, ring, pick up the phone, you tell them and they kill it. 
or, or you wake up next to him and say a word to you. So they're gonna ring, ring. Hey, girl, <laughs> have a three-hour conversation. Happy. As soon as I hang up, I go right back to hating you. Yeah, brag. How can I buy your product if you're not bragging? I promise you, every commercial you've ever seen is bragging. Buy this product. Buy this product. Buy this product. Don't let your righteousness make you stop celebrating. You make sure, whether you are devout to some deity or not, that you push out into this universe the excitement about what you have accomplished. Because the more you celebrate those things, the more you have confidence for those things that you cannot see, that you're trying to draw into this physical world from the invisible world. So brag. You brag as hard as you can. You just make sure that you don't push people down when you brag. And you don't brag too early. Because once you release that dopamine, you get that gratitude before you actually finish. Excuse me, when you get that gratification before you actually finish the task, you won't get that gratification. You'll get that gratification. You won't get the goal. Because, hey, you got 30 likes about saying you're going to start that business. That was good enough for your brain. So you don't go out and go do it. Because those 30 likes like freaking drugs. And that's all you really wanted in the first place. That's why you talk too much. Besides that, brag. And brag well. You deserve it. Even God said it is good. Why would you not? So the most important thing that you can ever possibly come across in this life, relationships are the one thing that would never let you get what you desire. Your relationships are the one thing that will stop you from thinking and growing rich. Your relationships can poison you or poise you for where you want to go. It is your relationships that would take you to a higher level or put high heels on your throat. It is a relationship that fixes or kills everything. And sometimes, and please write this down, sometimes you have to kill relationships just to let people live. Sometimes you have to do that. Sometimes you must kill relationships in order to let people live. The relationships are important. They have to be. Because it's the people that are going to keep you going. Or it's the people going to tell you to quit. It's the friends that are going to make you study when you don't want to. It's the friends that's going to make you sit in the green room, the studio, hungry. Recording a movie that people can get. And friends sit in the audience. Yeah, those are good friends. Your mother friends, they'll make you feel bad for making a movie called Extraction to help the world. Yeah, stay away from those friends. That won't happen. Friends are important. Relationships are important. And I'd be remiss not to tell you that if you don't pick your current relationships properly, by this I mean the intimate ones, if you don't learn how to properly pick your spouse or your mate, I can assure you 
you don't pick them correctly, you'll pick poverty. And you will not pick someone that will let you work at three o'clock in the morning without you make without making you feel like you're cheating. You will not pick someone that knows you're a workaholic. And instead of complaining, they come bring you food. The people who change this world change their thoughts and pick their mates properly. And if you don't, poverty will pick you. Matrix is real. The Matrix has you. The Matrix is freaking real. Listen, I talk about the Matrix a lot. The Matrix is real. It is real. Seriously, don't you see the green? Matrix, it's all, it's all around you. Seriously, it is, it's all around you. But let's take it out of computer simulation. Let's take it out of that. Let's put it into what we call now consumerism, which is a real thing that has been happening since the 1920s, that has been rebooted in the 30s, rebooted after the World War II, rebooted again in the 70s, and then turned right around and rebooted again in the 90s politics. You don't have to lose weight by this jogging suit. You'll look like you did. Don't, don't, don't work on your character. Get this suit. It screams character. Hey, don't be financially stable. Get these red bottoms. They say you're financially stable. You're no longer creating legacies. You're buying them. Really? I mean, every month, every single month, it's a holiday. January, New Year's, depending on where you are. Martin Luther King, February, Valentine's, March, spring break, April, Easter, April showers. If April's in March, they'll figure out a way. May, Mother's Day, June, Father's Day. Depending on where you are, if you're in the South, Juneteenth, July, 4th of July. This is just America. Other countries have their own holidays. Oh, May, Cinco de Mayo. Let's bring that one up. <clears throat> July, 4th of July, August. I can't think of nothing. Yes, I can. Back to school. September, Labor Day. October, Halloween. Back October starts the big spending. We'll start talking about the most wonderful time <laughs> of the year. It, literally in October. You can start buying Christmas things in October. That's that's insane. It is insane. It is absolutely insane to stockpile and hoard 90 days in advance. That's crazy. That's crazy. November, Thanksgiving, December, obviously Christmas. It is crazy. Lions are not stockpiling gazelles. I know that's a crazy concept. Lions are, listen, seriously, come the Friday after November. It's not a Black Friday in the jungle. I'm not telling you not to spend money. I'm just telling you that you're programmed to do so. Watch your kids. Have you ever watched the programs? They watch the great programs. And then they have the most amazing psychological bright colored commercials targeting your children they know your children don't have money but they know you do mom I want this new thing can I have that 
character program. You've been programmed since the very beginning. The Matrix has you. And the update of this Matrix is consumerism, and everybody knows it who knows anything. Everybody knows it. Everybody knows it. This, 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 is com this is common knowledge. You are living in the age of consumerism. And everything that you do, you're paying for, buying it, and you buy yourself to poverty. Why? Because as long as you're buying yourself to poverty, you can't touch my prosperity. Because I worked hard for my prosperity, and now I don't want to work hard no more. So I lobby. I create laws. So I don't have to work hard. I create laws to make you work hard. I create laws to protect my wealth instead of fighting the fair fight that made me get my wealth. It's crazy. It's crazy. We make so much money that we protect it. And we don't let anybody else get it. Can you imagine if orange trees behave that way? Can you imagine if orange trees said, wait a minute now. I can't get me for free. I'm an orange tree. I shall now develop a constitution in the government, and I'm now going to charge you to eat me. That sounds weird. That is exactly what we did to free resources. We created a system of lack. This is the matrix. The matrix. We created a system of lack. We said, hey, <laughs> is it a free orange? Not for you, buddy. I got here first. My family owns this land. Since I own this land, I'm going to eat all these oranges. It's impossible. It is impossible to eat everything of abundance. Abundance is meant to be shared. And if you don't share abundance, it will rot. And I'm afraid to tell you that we are letting abundance rot because we're too lazy to keep fighting the way we did when we didn't have it. Abundance is always meant to be shared. You will kill yourself trying to eat every orange that comes off an orange tree. And before you ever develop the stomach and the ironclad stomach or the waste system to get rid of what you just ate, before you can ever do that fast enough, those oranges will rot. Nature never intended you to be greedy. Greed comes from a system of lack. The only reason you can be greedy is because you think there's not enough and you need more. That's the matrix. And so here's what happens. Here's why you're in the matrix. The moment that you become greedy, the moment that you get enough, you become those who are in power. Matrix, the agents. You control all the laws. You create the illusion of choice. You're a winner and you go in and out the system oppressing and depressing and controlling everybody you desire to control. And if you're not in power, guess what you do? You fight for power. And that is the biggest matrix slavery of them all. As long as you are marching and fighting for power, you're not fighting for prosperity. Did you get it? If I put your energy into dethroning me, you never have your energy in chasing what you deserve. There is no lack. And if you are fighting me, you're following the rules. And of course, those rules are exactly what's keeping me in power. There is no lack. 
Matrix is real. And if you're not one of the people who are asleep to what I'm telling you, you are an agent keeping people sleep. And if not, then you're me. You're Neo. You're Morpheus. You're waking people up. You're reminding people you need to be extracted. And there's only one true way to extract yourself from the system. Recognize there is one and make enough money to unplug. I used to laugh at things like law of attraction, what you think is what you create, anything related to energy, you attract who you are, anything of that nature I used to laugh at because I'm like, that's not true. And then I came across Antonio in his teachings of Law of Attraction. And at first I rejected it. Because again, I used to laugh at these things. And the more and more I listened to Antonio's teachings, the more and more things actually started making sense to me. Things started opening up for me. And things started changing for me. The law of attraction teachings that Antonio does have absolutely changed my life from the way that I parent to the person that I am today to the way I do business to the way I live my life. I never knew how important your thoughts and your emotions were and that you actually attract that. You know, we always say this is what I want. But what are you attracting deep within you? What vibration are you putting out there? And it took Antonio's teachings for me to be able to understand that while in my head I'm saying, this is what I want. The vibration that I'm putting out is a complete opposite. Once he taught me that, the next step was to teach me how to vibrate at what I wanted. And once I started vibrating at what I wanted, that's when I noticed just how real the law of attraction is. Antonio has taught me that thoughts plus emotion equal creation. How to vibrate at what you want. How to put yourself where you want to be. To feel it. To smell it. To taste it. To see it. How to touch it. Put yourself there and stay there and vibrate there and it will to you, the people that you want to attract into your life, vibrate there. Who are they? How do they look? What do they dress like? What are their characters? What you know, who are they? And the biggest thing that he ever taught me was how to be a better me through law of attraction. I used to ask him, How do I become better? He was like, You create who you want to be. Because I didn't know at the time where I wanted to be. I just knew I wanted to be better. And he told me exactly how to do it. He said, find the people who you are drawn to. Find those who are where you want to be. And start moving like they move. Study them. What I didn't realize was he was teaching me how to attract my future self. And in the process of doing that even attract being able to 
associate with these people, be on the same level with them, be in the same atmosphere and network with them. And I have actually had the opportunities to start moving in that direction because he taught me how to attract that into my life. And learning the law of attraction through Antonio has truly changed my life. It has truly changed my success. It has truly changed who I am today. And while I am not perfect in the law of attraction, staying on top of and consistently listening to Antonio's teachings remind me every day to be grateful, to attract that into my life, to only focus on the outcome and attract only the outcome in my life. And don't get stuck in the how and the why, just focus on the finish line. And I'll attract the finish line into my life. The law of attraction has made me a greater person. Hey everybody, it's Antonio T. Smith Jr. and I'm excited to be with you. And I want to take this opportunity to tell you what you get, what this pathbender is about. Can you really change your life? Can I change your life? Can you bend your path? And I want to talk about four things that help you understand how I've come up with pathbender and how the idea of actually bending your path is not only realistic, but it's realistic for you. The first thing I wanna tell you is, I can't teach you anything because you already know everything. There is something so different about you. Something about you is so fundamentally different that if I disassemble you and put you back together, you won't have life. You don't work like the cameras recording me or the lights around the studio. Something about you is different. So if you hear me say anything in these four things that I want to tell you, the first one being you already know everything, if it feels like you're remembering, if it feels good to your soul, if it feels well with your being, that is how you know it is true. And the first thing that I'm telling you, it is true that you know what I'm about to say, you've just forgotten. There are distortions over you and these truths that have escaped you are finding their ways back to you. And I am just your guide back to your compass. It's the first thing. So in truth, something about you understands you can bend your path. Maybe you haven't thought of it or maybe you've been thinking about it and now it is here. And it is my most gracious honor to be the person you're listening to and to be the soul 
that's intertwined with your destiny. The second thing I want to tell you is the principle uh, Wu Wei. You find it in the Tao, Taoism. It is this idea of not forcing anything. My friends, life is not a life of manipulation. It's more of a life of meditation. Manifestation does not go hand in hand with manipulation. And if you are forcing your path, you're on the wrong path. If things are not coming to you in the fastest, quickest, most harmonious way possible, if your life seems as if you are swimming up a stream, going against the grain, flowing through cement, if you have money, but no well relationships, or you have well relationships, but no money, if you are spiritual, but broke, and if you are religious, but can't make ends meet, you are manipulating your current path. And you're not bending it to your will. Pathbender is a concept I've come up with. I am a big fan of the Wachowskis. And my favorite movie by them is Cloud Atlas. My second favorite movie now is The Matrix, which was my first, but now. And at the end of The Matrix Part 1, Neo bends reality to himself after he believes. And that's, that's basically the premise of Pathbender. The truth is, that's not science fiction. The idea of bending your path has been here for millennia. Bruce Lee told you, be like water, my friend. This is what it is, okay? I said, empty your mind. Be formless, shapeless, like water. Now you put water into a cup, it becomes the cup. You put water into a bottle, it becomes the bottle. You put it in a teapot, it becomes the teapot. Now water can flow or it can crash. Be water, my friend. And all these things are important. So this idea of Wu Wei is about you not forcing. And Pathbender is you finding your own path and you're not forcing the events you want. You're not manipulating the events you want. You are creating the events you want. You are the greatest creator to ever live on this planet and no one can create better than you, not now or ever. The third thing I want to tell you, and this may come as an offensive shock to some, but you are God. Uh, you are this life-giving force. And I want you to think about it. You're the only species on this planet that can create something out of nothing. For, the, for theologians, way back in antiquity, there's a Latin phrase called ex nihilo. It is a phrase that means out of nothing and how God created this world ex nihilo out of nothing. 
And the only life force on this planet that can take nothing and then make a masterpiece is God. But you've been doing that since the day you've been born. Take a piece of paper that has nothing there and out of nothing. J.K. Rowling wrote Harry Potter. Robert Greene wrote 48 Laws of Power. Out of nothing. The Steven Spielberg produced movies out of nothing. Does Denzel create characters that we remember forever? This idea of out of nothing. And you're the only one who can do that. Goldfish can't. Lions cannot. Just humans. You are God. You can find that in Christian texts in which in the book of Mark, the writer exclaims a question by the disciples as they turn towards Jesus and they ask, what manner of man is this? that even the winds and the waves obey him. Now, this isn't Christian only thing. You don't have to be Christian, Jew, Muslim to get this. The writer is explaining that even the people, the ascended master Jesus was with on a daily basis had no idea who he was. He was not a man. He was God in man's flesh. And I say the same thing to you. You're not a man. You're not a woman. You perform miracles on a daily basis. What manner of man are you that even blank pieces of paper respect your creative power? And the last thing I want to tell you This pathbender is about becoming a force, a force to be reckoned with. Scientifically, there's a formula for force. You can look it up yourself. Force equals mass times acceleration. We, we must talk for a little bit. In order to become a force, you need mass multiplied by acceleration. In order for you to become a force, you need energy in one place over and over to become multiplied by the acceleration, the speeding up of something to become a force. Say it again. In order to become a force, Einstein says all mass is energy in one place times the speed of light twice. You know that as E equals MC squared. Einstein scientifically understood and explained to us that mass is simply thought idea over and over and over, a thought. What is the greatest form of energy? Thought energy. A thought over and over and over, moving at the speed of light twice squared 
over and over in one place. And once you keep putting energy in one place, in one place, in one place, in one place, the energy ceases to be something invisible and becomes a tangible piece of matter. This is why it's hard to destroy something that exists. Energy can never be created and it can never be destroyed. First law of thermodynamics because once you put energy in a place over and over and over and over again, it takes infinity to destroy what has been created. So in order to become a force, someone like me must teach you how to put your energy Harness your energy into one place over and over and over until it becomes something tangible. And in truth, you have been doing this your entire life. You just haven't been doing it deliberately for your benefit. But everything around you is your thought energy manifested into physical form. The second part of this equation, acceleration is the idea that when you get this piece of matter and you believe in it so much, you see it so much, it is so, it is so tangible that it gains its own speed. And then you put speed on top of that speed because everything in the world is in motion already in vibration. So this idea of acceleration is this idea that the more you speed what you created up, when you multiply that by what you created, you become a force. It's the basis of Pathbender. Mass times acceleration equals force. And many of you are attempting to become a force on this planet, but the problem is you haven't attracted someone like me yet to teach you how to deliberately create the mass you want in your life and how to deliberately accelerate that so you can be a force. Be like water, my friends. You can go to the event page and catch all of what's included. But I wanted to stand before you and tell you about the intent. I wanted you to feel my energy. I wanted you to see my face. Energy doesn't lie. If you believe like I believe, if there is something about you right now that I am awakening, we are at the same vibration, consider. I wanted you to catch my energy and I wanted you to know your time is here and you have the power to bend your reality join me become a pathbender i've been looking for you antonio t smith jr you can plant better you can dominate mm -hmm.